Welcome to our session, B2B e-commerce and COVID-19. The Colombian American Association was founded in 1927 as the first binational chamber of commerce for, for Colombia in the United States. We are a private nonprofit business organization that promotes commercial and cultural ties between Colombia and the United States. For this session, attendees will be able to send their questions at any time and the moderator will read them during the Q&A session at the end. It will be in the last 30 minutes of the session. We thank all of our panelists today and our moderator. And we also want to thank the partners and sponsors who make this session possible, which are Wilkie Farren Gallagher, Content Room, Philip Morris International, ProColombia, WeWork, Look for Capital, Cámara Colombiana de Comercio Electrónico, LAFCA, and last but not least, Nearshore Americas. Our moderator for today is Kirk Laughlin. Kirk founded Nearshore Americas in 2009 after working as a business journalist and a media executive in the United States and in Asia. He has extensive knowledge of the nearshore industry, having interviewed and consulted with thousands of business leaders, government officials, and other stakeholders throughout the LATAM region. Without further ado, I pass it on to Kirk to kick off our panel. Thank you again and have a great session. Thank you very much, Anna, and really good to hear from you. And also wanna just uh, express my thanks to Lena and the team at the Colombian American Association, serious, seriously important work that you do. And I, I just wanna welcome everyone. This is gonna be a great discussion. Uh, if, you know, we wanna keep it interesting and lively and uh, our listeners absolutely have a role in that. So if you have a thought or a question, please don't hesitate to send that in. We wanna make the most of our time today. Uh, I want to welcome uh, two of our three panelists who are here with us now, Juan Pablo Consegra, the Andean Regional Director for Facebook, and Juan Saravia, the CEO of Loro Colombia. And uh, we, uh, we appreciate you two gentlemen joining us. And also Herman Rueda is the Vice Minister of Digital Transformation uh, in the Colombian government. He is running a bit late, so we hope to see him joining us shortly. So as, as we all know, we're gonna be talking about the e-commerce, uh, B2B e-commerce situation in Colombia and, and also contemplate the, the experience of COVID, what challenges and solutions can be created from this environment, from this experience. Uh, one of the things that's really exciting about Colombia is it is ranked one of the world's fastest growing e-commerce markets. It's, and, and some of the rankings I've looked at, it's actually top five. Um, so that's pretty impressive. Uh, there's, there's obviously a lot more room to grow when you look at the fact that only about 60% of the, uh, the population has uh, internet connections. Smaller percentage, from what I understand, actually has broadband connections. Uh, so that, that suggests a lot of up, upside to growth over, over the time. Uh, but we also know that uh, the technology industry, the IT industry opportunity in Colombia is taken very seriously. Uh, from our organization, we cover you know, all of the big markets of Latin America and the Caribbean. And without question, Colombia has been very consistent over the last 10 years that we've been watching around recognizing the immense opportunities in, uh, in technology innovation, product innovation, exports, uh, developing services and exports. Uh, these are all really important uh, activities for emerging countries. And I think Colombia, especially the current government, sees how serious this opportunity is. So we applaud that. Of course, there's a lot more room to grow and a lot more work to do. And uh, with, that, with that, and on that point, I'd like to first speak with you, Juan, and give you a chance to maybe share a little bit more about your own background uh, coming, uh, emerging in Colombia as an entrepreneur, and then also, uh, you know, a bit more uh, understanding of Loro and what you do at Loro. 
Well, thank you, Kirk. Uh, Kirk and Juan Pablo, very nice to, to join you here. Uh, Juan Pablo, it's an honor for me to, to join and, and to share the scenario with you. So uh, a little bit about my background. I studied business uh, in Colombia at Los Andes University, and I've been uh, creating startups ever since. This is probably my third or fourth uh, company that I've built. Um, and I have always believed that building companies in a country such as Colombia and in a region such as Latin America is the answer to, to uh, actually providing, um, let's say, chances to people, you know, like it's, it's a way uh, of, of, of uh, enabling uh, social changes in, in this country. So I'm a true believer that when you create a, a project or a product or a company that actually delivers value to the market, you are creating chances and opportunities for, for, the, for, the, for the country. Um, so a little bit about Loro. Loro is basically the idea of an e-commerce that delivers products uh, right from the shopping mall, from the nearest shopping mall that you have uh, in the city. Uh, why is this uh, interesting? Because shopping malls, as you probably know, Kirk, uh, and you probably have seen in the US a lot of dead malls, uh, it, it's a struggling sector. You know, they're struggling to, 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 to be alive, uh, to be part of the economic environment. Uh, so we believe that with technology, uh, with omni-channel strategies, with e-commerce, we can actually uh, keep them alive. We can actually improve the experience of a shopper. We can actually uh, provide a new, a whole new experience for the shopper. So that's basically what we're doing. Uh, Loro, it's, it's an e-commerce that uh, wants to emulate the, the social experience of going to a shopping mall. Because when you go to a shopping mall, uh, you go with your friends, you go with your family, you go with your girlfriend or with your, with your wife, whatever. Uh, so that's what we're, what we're trying to do. Uh, creating uh, uh, an e-commerce that it's not only transactional, but it's also social. Okay, very interesting. And I know we'll talk, unpack that a bit more, Juan. It's a, it's a very innovative idea. And speaking of social experience, uh, I don't think there's any better candidate than an organization called Facebook. And we have, we're very fortunate to have Juan Pablo here, the regional director of Facebook. Welcome, Juan Pablo. Thank you, Kirk. And thank you, Juan, for, for sharing this space with us today. So tell us about your, your uh, responsibilities, Juan Pablo. What's, what's the big picture uh, perspective for, for you, Facebook, and Colombia, as well as the region? Well, my, my responsibilities are pretty much the Andean region, um, managing the, the Andean region and our relationships with advertisers. And um, in general terms, what we do is we help those advertisers accelerate during this moment um, to be sure that they are able to capitalize on the big opportunity that you and, and Juan just described that is happening right now. Uh, it's no secret that we are actually in a, I would say a, a sweet spot. I'm not sure that's the right word, but it's a sweet spot in the, in the, in the way companies are accelerating towards e-commerce. Um, and that's basically due the, uh, to the fact that the consumers, all of us, really changed dramatically in the last six to eight months. Um, if you remember what happened last year, even this January, regarding e-commerce and the way people interacted with services uh, was completely different than the way it is today. And that radical change with the consumer made the, the, those big companies and medium-sized companies and small companies catch up really quickly with technology to get into that digital, new digital environment. Uh, there's, there, there are some figures, these, these are American figures, but I think they are very relevant and very similar here. Uh, Ecom, uh, moved from 9% of the total sales to 16% in the total sales, sales in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. So that's the share of the e-commerce in the U.S. Uh, from, 19, from 2009 until 2019. Um, and then just in the last three months, uh, that grew 10 points. So exactly the same that e-commerce grew in the first 10 years, it grew in the last three months. So that's the, the size of the, um, you know, of, the, of the impact that this is having. Um, and that's pretty much what we are doing in Facebook, helping the companies, no matter the size, to capitalize on that opportunity and be ready from the digital perspective to, uh, you know, to, to capitalize on this. 
So Juan Pablo, I imagine this is you know a, a pretty pretty significant moment of uh, 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 questioning you know and having this opportunity to scale because you have an enormous thing going on. So what? How has your how tactically? How have you responded? How has Facebook the, of the Andean region recognized uh, this opportunity, and how might it be different from a developed economy like the U.S. or you know in Western Europe? Uh, um, I think that is, I would say that is pretty much the same, uh, the same focus. The only reason, the only difference I would say is that the advertisers may be in a more mature state in other countries, but here is the same focus, helping them catching up on this, on this digital economy and this digital phenomenon. So, uh, maybe in, in some markets, developed markets, the situation is different. Uh, in terms of sophistication, but here we are driving towards that, towards giving those um, uh, companies in the Andean region the ability to sophisticate and get those digital capabilities to capitalize on the moment. Well, I, I wonder, uh, you know, from your perspective, Juan, uh, what, you know, I would imagine, just like we see in the United States, there's a whole lot of companies now having to suddenly become much more expert on the digital conversation. And for example, you mentioned omni-channel. And uh, some of these concepts may be a bit foreign to small to medium businesses or businesses trying to do business online. Uh, I know it's sort of related to what you do, but, but in general, how have you seen that trend influence the need to kind of get people more aware, more fluent, if you will, in what the, the digital economy offers? You know, that's a very good question. Ah, sorry. <laughs> ah, sorry. So we're both ones. So yeah, yeah. sorry about that. No? Okay. Don't worry. Sorry, Go ahead, Juan Pablo. Go ahead, Juan Pablo. I'll, I'll answer next. No, just just a, a very quick question. The consumer is driving this. The change in the consumer is the, the big change that is driving this. So that's the way companies are looking at this. And that's a trend that we need to actually, you know, leverage. Uh, so that's where we are focusing, leveraging the consumer that is changing dramatically and how we are being able to engage there. Sorry, Juan. No worries. Um, I think the, in, in my experience, this six to eight months, as Juan Pablo was saying, um, it was kind of shocking, you know, like we, we were talking to medium and big enterprises and some of them didn't even have uh, pictures uh, to sell online and some of them didn't even have uh, descriptions of their products. So when you think about big enterprises that are uh, willing to pay for advertisement on Facebook, but they, they don't even have uh, the pictures for their products, then there's a huge gap, you know, like they want to sell online, but they don't have the resources to do that, even though they want to do that. So uh, for us, we, we basically what we decided to do is that we, uh, we had to become like this, this uh, ally for these companies uh, in order to help them achieve those goals. Uh, if they didn't have the pictures, then how could we help them to, uh, to take those pictures? If they didn't have uh, the descriptions, how could, how could we help them uh, uh, to write those descriptions? So we, we basically, what we did was uh, we flexibilized everything that we were doing uh, so that we could help actually the, the big and, and, and medium enterprises. And I'm not talking about the, the small ones because if you go to the small ones and the, the, the gap is, 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 is bigger. So uh, I think, yes, this change in behavior and in, in, in the, in the uh, shopping behavior as Juan Pablo was saying is actually uh, impacting a lot of, of, of trends uh, in the companies and, and the user and, and stuff. But um, I think we still have a long way to go. Uh, companies in Colombia and the region still have a way to go to be actually competitive in, a, in, a, in an e-commerce landscape. Mm -hmm. And what, what specifically do you think are the biggest challenges on that, on that pathway forward? Um, I would say logistics is one of the of the main topics that you uh, usually discuss with this type of, of, of companies and in, in terms of technology I know it sounds very basic but but when you talk to a client or a potential client that could work with us and they don't even have pictures or descriptions then then you see that and, and, we're, and we're talking about the biggest companies in Colombia so uh, if you go down a bit then you say okay we have a lot of things to to, to work on 
then if you go a bit deeper, deeper and you uh, think about the, the ERP systems or the POS systems or whatever system they use to, to control their, their, their operations, then you still find that they have, um, um, let's say, opportunities in terms of, of improving how they, how they operate the, the, the company. And when you're trying to connect that reality uh, of a company, because when you want to sell online, you have to do it so so perfect that, that the whole company and the whole operation of the company works perfectly with, the, with the, whatever platform you want to use. So if you think that they, have, uh, they, they, they still have opportunities inside, then uh, that, that, makes, that makes it harder for them to compete online. That's, right. that's my thought. Sure, sure, sure. And, uh, you know, I, maybe now's a good chance Juan Pablo is going to reconnect, but uh, Juan, it might be a good chance to get a li little bit more history on Loro, uh, you know, pre-pandemic, and then some of the adjustments, you know, you and I talked earlier about some of the adjustments you've kind of tried to learn through in the last, you know, in the situation we're dealing with, with the pandemic. Okay, so Loro uh, started, la let's say, last year. Uh, we received an investment from Pactia. Pactia is the second largest private equity fund in Colombia. They own 10 shopping malls in, in the country. And they saw this project as an opportunity to, uh, to add value to their, to their assets. You know, like uh, we had the idea, we had the, the, the vision of, of uh, working together or side by side with the shopping malls. So this project actually started last year. Uh, the second semester of last year, we built uh, the technology. And uh, on February uh, from this year, we were just aiming to launch the project to go live. And then the, the pandemic came and we had uh, 40 or 50 people uh, working with us and we had no way to deliver products. So it was kind of a mess. It was very frustrating. Um, of course, investors were all worried and everyone was worried and we had nothing to do. But then, as I was telling you, we decided to, to be very flexible about what we were doing. So we started, we starting, we started to reach out um, to, to the brands and ask them what they needed. What do you need right now? I mean, you have the inventory. Where, where are your products? How can we help you? And that's how we achieved to close very uh, or massive uh, deals with, with very big brands. Um, just by being flexible. And, and I believe that's what a startup has to do. That's, that's what the startup uh, is about, you know, like finding its way to the market. And at the beginning of the pandemic, it was all about being flexible and, and, and helping those brands to actually uh, generate some revenue. It was, of course, it wasn't uh, the 100% the of the revenue that they were uh, used to, but just by being flexible, we gained uh, we gained traction and just by being flexible, we gained, um, uh, let's say, knowledge about retail and, and just by being flexible, we are now live, you know? Mm. Okay. And you, you mentioned early on about uh, really tackling the social experience with the shopping malls and shopping and, and tell me more about how that works. Well, if you think of, if you think of a shopping mall, I mean, it's, it's impossible to think of a shopping mall without a social experience because you go with your family, you go with your wife, you go with your friends. And sometimes that social experience, it's actually what triggers the transaction. You know, when, someone's, when someone tells you that looks good on you, that's probably what you're going to buy. So why should we be thinking about an e-commerce? And of course we have Amazon and, and it's, it's one of the, uh, the most... Uh, successful companies in the world, but why should we keep thinking about e-commerce just as a transactional uh, environment? Because we are used to, uh, 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 let's say, uh, uh, an experience where the social uh, interaction comes to life and where the social interaction kicks in and, and that's what, what triggers a transaction. So what we're doing at Loro is that, think about a platform where you, where you have both worlds, like Instagram and Amazon in the same page, in the same, in the same ecosystem. That's what we're doing. So that you can know what your friends are buying, what they, what they like, uh, what stores they follow, uh, if the stores uh, added some new products or new discounts or whatever. So it's like creating or recreating, reimagining, reshaping, re-whatever, re <laughs> uh, the, the, the whole um, uh, retail industry and bringing it, bringing it to, to, to uh, let's say, uh, uh, yeah, a platform that you have in your hand. So um, how, does, uh, how does your brand cultivate loyalty in a way that maybe Amazon or, or even Mercado Libre or some of these other super big, you know, almost like the big box equivalent 
uh, we call use the term big box, you know, up here in the US. Mm -hmm. uh, so the giants, uh, how does it different from where you guys are in terms of that, like customer relationship, customer loyalty, affinity? Well, because we're, we're small, we're still small, we can deliver such a nice service to the end user, the consumer. We can basically call whoever is buying and say, hey, are you having a nice time? Did, did everything go well? Uh, of course, that's not sustainable when, you're, when you keep growing, uh, but we are very focused on service. We believe that there, uh, when, you, when you think about good service, there is a huge opportunity in, in South America because many uh, e-tailers are still struggling with service. Many e-tailers are still struggling with deliveries. So if we're able to, to promise uh, a delivery time and, and if we're able to promise and deliver a good uh, user experience and a good service, then we, we believe we still have a chance. Uh, you were, I think Juan Pablo was saying that a, a few minutes ago, uh, but the, the penetration of e-commerce in Colombia and the region still has a long way to go, a long, long way to go. So there's still market for many of us, uh, including Amazon and including many big players. But uh, of course we have a challenge. And how, how do we differentiate from these big boxes that you're talking about? Uh, but I, I believe we, we still have the chance. What about uh, another topic that's really important? We know on, on one level, uh, there's a lot of uh, support and heart, if you will, starting from the president's office all the way down the, the technology ministries and things. So there's a lot of like very sincere interest in in sus developing sustaining technology industries e-commerce and things but at the same time you know there's regulations there's also logistics complications where where do things need to evolve you know specifically in the regulatory area i believe the government has done a good job you know because when you hear from the president down uh, that that the virtual or the digital ecosystem has to evolve then there's a, there's, a, there's a strong message that is being delivered uh, to family offices, to venture capitals, to uh, entrepreneurs, uh, I mean, to everyone, because we, we all believe that the, the digital ecosystem has to evolve. That, that, I think that's a good first step. Now, uh, of course, when you think about the, the digital uh, economy, as I was telling you a few minutes ago, there are still some big, gaps that we have to, to, to work on. Logistics, uh, uh, technology, uh, how we interact with, with different platforms at the same time, uh, integrations between the brand and these platforms. I mean, there's a lot of work to do uh, that, that still needs to be done. Uh, but I think we're on the right track. I, I think when, when the government is leading the way and telling everyone that we should believe in this and, and that we should invest in this and uh, I don't know, entities like Colombia is doing whatever they can to bring uh, investment to the country. I think that's a, that, that's a very strong message for everyone, not only in, in the country, but in the region and, and in the world. So I believe we're on a good track. Of course, there's always work that needs to be done. Um, so the presence of Mercado Libre, we have to talk about them at some point. And I, I wonder from your view, uh, has that been a, 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 I mean, I would perceive it to be a, a really important enabler for people to realize what's possible, that, that this is, a, you know, an enormous marketplace, it can scale, it can deliver an, an amazing array of goods or services. Uh, is that a generally a good thing? Or, or do you believe that there needs to be a greater degree of competition to kind of share the pie? I think it's good. I think it's always good when there's a huge player playing because it tells you what to do and what not to do. And it tells you where they're good at and where they're bad at, you know, because they cannot be good at everything. Uh, the good thing about not being the, the biggest is that you can always be bought by someone. <laughs> so it's, it's not a, a bad idea to be the, 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 the best second player, you know, <laughs> right. right. This kind of things. Um, so I do believe that there are new players coming uh, or, or, or let's say competing. I, I don't think it's only Mercado Libre. I think we have to talk about Lineo. We have to talk about uh, Exito.com. We have to talk about Rappi, of course. Um, we have to talk about Dafiti. There are many big players, not only in Colombia, but uh, there are also regional players now. And I think it's, it's, it's becoming a, a challenging uh, environment for everyone. And I think that's good because when there's, 
there's uh, competition. The, the, the one who, who wins is always the, the end user, the, the, the consumer. So uh, what about the, uh, some of the, uh, uh, I mean, the 60% internet penetration, I don't know, uh, that's not necessarily a terribly impressive figure. Uh, and that's also a difficult thing to overcome, right? We're talking about getting uh, in internet infrastructure into rural areas, mountainous areas. Uh, I would imagine a lot of that is very costly and there may not be economic drivers immediately to justify that kind of investment. Is, is that kind of how you see it? And how does Columbia, I mean, I know you're not a policy guy or anything, but how do you think the way forward works that way? Yeah, I think that the investment needed to, to cover those areas is, is just huge. And, and that's something that the government probably needs to think about. If, if it's interesting to, to really, uh, get into those kind of investments or if it's easier just to work with Starlink or something like that, you know, I mean, there are new options in the market and there are new players that probably can do that for a lot less money. So yes, I'm not a policy guy, but if you ask me, would I invest in physical infrastructure or just get a very national, very nice national deal with, deal with Starlink, I would probably go to Starlink, you know? <laughs> right, 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 right. So when you look across the country and the way you run your business, are you primarily in the big, uh, the big uh, city areas or how, how widespread is Loro at this point? Uh, right now we deliver to any corner of the country. Of course, our, our main market is uh, Bogota because we started here. Uh, we're now opening different and we're in, in very interesting negotiations with, with uh, shopping mall developers in, in Medellin, in Cali and some other some other uh, big cities. So I would say that our main market would should be the biggest cities in the country and then we could move to, to uh, secondary cities or, or even uh, smaller cities. Okay. Um, well, I'd, I'd like to just uh, mention to folks out in the audience, we have some attendees listening during lunch or, or, or maybe getting ready for lunch. If you have any questions or comments, please get them in. It looks like we've lost uh, Juan Pablo. I don't know. Uh, he <laughs> he went for good, yeah. <laughs> internet infrastructure. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, something we definitely want to talk about, Juan, is uh, artificial intelligence, automation, chatbots, uh, some of the tools that are necessary to really scale from what you see in Colombia, how is Colombia doing there, applying some of those kinds of solutions, you know, perhaps borrowing from what's go going on in some of the bigger countries? Well, if I think about, uh, I mean, in terms of e-commerce, you cannot have an e-commerce without a good recommendation system. And that's that's probably the, the, the first step in terms of what you have to do to, to actually improve the conversion rate. You know, that's basic stuff in e-commerce. Now, when you go a little bit, uh, I mean, if you if you if you take a, a step uh, higher, then uh, AI is is something that we are we need to start working on. For example, in at Loro, we're working uh, in an algorithm that tells us if uh, someone is friend if, if X is friend with Y, then uh, what can we show those persons in terms of products because they they have they're like lookalikes, you know, like they, they have interests in common. So they probably have um, interest in the same type of products. They will probably uh, pay the same ticket and stuff. So yes, I mean, um, this kind of technologies have to be worked in, in the region. I, I would say Rappi is, is probably already working with this kind of technologies and, and they're doing a, a very good job. And I think for smaller entrepreneur, entrepreneurs, we have to think about this, how to acquire these technologies and how to deal with these technologies and how to get the most out of these technologies. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure and in, 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 I, I don't have a, like a specific case or company that I could uh, tell you about in Colombia that is working with AI uh, very strong, but, but I'm pretty sure there is. Um, in terms of your own technology challenges, uh, I do think it's interesting, by the way, that if you remember, I think it's like maybe about a year ago, more or less, Mercado Libre 
uh, made an acquisition. I'm trying to remember if they, they bought a, a, a company in Argentina that was really a software development organization. You know, basically they needed to acquire technology talent to build, you know, greater strength in their back end. Uh, and they may have bought a company in Colombia. I can't remember, but in terms of the, uh, the technology capacities you've required for Loro, what, what has been your experience there? Um, I think in, at Loro, we had a, a very strong challenge at the beginning, and it was finding the talent to deal with the technologies that we needed. Because uh, Colombia is still a country where, where uh, the talent is, I'm not saying it's not good enough, of course, it's not, it's not, that's probably not the expression, but we still have a, lot, a long way to go to, to compete with uh, developers from, from, I don't know, from uh, California or whatever, you know, like uh, the, the way the universities and the way the, um, the whole uh, industry is challenging these people to become better uh, uh, developers, it's it's kind of brand new you know like we're, we we cannot say that we we still have or that we have the the talent to compete with with other regions in the world so at the beginning we we struggled a lot to find the developers and then we decided that we had to uh work with them you know it it, it was impossible to to just find the perfect uh, developer for the perfect amount of money that you were willing to pay uh, because big companies such as Mercado Libre or Rappi or whatever, they were paying a lot to the, the best developers in the country. And you started, or, or we started to find, let's say, very junior developers that were asking for a lot of money. And that was, that was not competitive for us. So mm -hmm. uh, when you think about building a company in Colombia that is, um, let's say, earning money in pesos, but they are, some of, of those companies are paying in dollars, then you are, you are in, in a disadvantage. So I think the challenge for the country is how do we um, train more people to become developers and how do we actually create an environment or an ecosystem that has its own developers, its own set of developers, and uh, how do we define the technologies that, that actually work for us, you know, because mm -hmm. not all technologies work for everyone and not all technologies work for, for every market. We actually have to define what technologies work for us. And that will set the, 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 the idea of, of, of what kind of developers should we expect. And, and that's a great point. Uh, who, who in your mind or who are the key stakeholders in that conversation? Uh, what inputs do they require to make those kinds of decisions? And who steers that, that idea forward? I would say that it's probably an invisible hand because when we decided which, which, technologies, which, which technologies we were going to use, at the end, we decided that we were going, for example, to build all our backend on PHP because that was the kind of developers that we could find in Colombia. So I'm not sure if, if, if that's something that the universities or, or whoever's training those developers, let's say uh, e-learning platforms or whatever, can decide which technologies to, to show or to teach. That's probably the market asking for technologies or, or for very specific kind of languages that need to be taught. So in, in our case specifically, as I, as I was mentioning, we decided which technologies to use uh, because we could find those kind of, of, of developers. So it's, it's basically uh, the whole market is limiting the way we interact with technology because there is not enough offer of, of developers in, in some sort of, of languages or technologies. So I believe there's a challenge. There's a huge challenge and probably that's where the government could do something about uh, which type of languages or which type of technologies should we be using in Colombia? Which type of technologies should we be teaching at the universities? Which type of technologies are, uh, I don't know, the, the cutting edge technologies that we should be uh, using here in, in, in the next five or 10 years? Mm -hmm. That's something that we could think of. You right. Know? Yeah, it's a great point. So adapting to what, what exists for talent and uh, do you think, uh, societally people are 
are aware of the pathway into technology in your in your lifetime has that conversation begin to begun to change uh you know a lot of countries are talking about spending more time in the primary grades and secondary grades of of kind of evangelizing technology especially for women uh a lot of women uh independently determine they're not qualified and i think a lot of people are trying to say wait a minute you are how are how are all those things going i think that there was a there was a huge change in in, in the society and and that's that we can now apply to courses or we can um i don't know go to uh whatever e-learning platform and and pay five ten twenty dollars for a very nice course that will teach you how to uh, the basics of programming PHP, for example. When you have that kind of access to knowledge, then probably anyone can become a developer and, and technology becomes uh, part of, of, of our daily uh, conversations. So I'm not sure if, if, if um, let's say, uh, universities or, or even at high, on high school are teaching technology in the way we should be teaching technology it should be part of a, I, I don't know we should learn math and we should also learn the basic of programming that's mm -hmm. that's my point of view uh, if we really want to become uh, competitive as a, as a nation as a country uh, we should be teaching uh, little kids how to deal with with uh, programming i'm not sure if that's happening I'm, I'm probably not the person to to answer that question um but uh i i, I would say that it changed i mean when I when I began with with the idea of building a, a, a technology startup, and now I think the, the whole conversation changed, and now everyone is involved, and now everyone understands what it means, and now everyone has a nice or a cool app on their phones, and now everyone is thinking about how to build an app, and it it, it has become like the trend. So right. I believe, once again, I believe we're we're on the right track. We just right. have to believe that we as a country and as a as an economic uh, uh, environment, we can, we can be competitive and we should, we should believe that. Sure. Okay. Well, we got a couple of good questions. Uh, folks keep your questions coming. First of all, uh, tell, tell us how it worked with the, your suppliers one during when the, you know, the lockdown started really taking effect. Uh, I think that obviously would have something to do with your logistics and delivery. How did all that, what was that experience like? Uh, at the beginning, it was very frustrating because, uh, as I was mentioning, we delivered directly from the shopping malls, but then the shopping malls were closed, uh, the stores were closed, and we actually wanted to sell products. So uh, it was kind of funny because some brands started to call us and, and, and tell us, uh, hey, listen, I have some products uh, at home. <laughs> can you deliver from my home? Yeah, of course, we can, we can pick them up and then we deliver to the end user. And we had a, a lot of brands that actually managed to, to take some products out of their stores, not, not a lot of products, but some of their products and take them home. And we started working with some of the biggest brands in Colombia that you can imagine. Uh, and we were, delivering, we were delivering products from someone's home, from the director of marketing or from the CEO of the company. They had boxes at home and they were delivering products that we were, that we were picking up. So once again, what we found out at the beginning of the pandemic is was that we had to be very flexible with this with these brands because they were in trouble i mean we were not the only ones in trouble they were in big troubles uh, and and they had a lot of people working with them and, and from one day to the other they had to close all their their stores and all their logistics operations and stuff so uh, it was it was kind of funny but also very frustrating because of course the end user doesn't accept that uh, that we were going to take some more time to deliver the product and mm. of course the complaints uh, start and uh, Facebook of course is a very nice channel to say that everything is 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 not working and that I hate right. this company and of course that all, all of that happened but yeah. it was it was kind of fun uh, and, and it was kind of cool for us the feeling that we were helping brands just by picking products out of their homes wow wow that is that is interesting um, and what about uh, what what growth areas have you seen within the various segments of e-commerce? What what are any surprises there uh, that that you've observed? Yes, uh, liquor. That was just 
amazing. The way uh, liquid, the, the, the growth in that category was just amazing. Uh, and I mean, at the beginning of the project, we were just a shopping mall. We were thinking about, uh, I don't know, uh, fashion and uh, things for your home and let's say other, other type of categories. Uh, but then liquor became one of the biggest and we had to start selling whiskey and beer and aguardiente and whatever because everyone was at home and they wanted to drink something. So that was that was one of the of the biggest surprises uh, during the pandemic. Okay. Wine, for example, wine, everyone was <laughs> ordering wine. Really? And are there any limitations in Colombia regarding delivery of alcohol? Yes, there are some uh, regulations. We cannot deliver after 8 p.m. I mean, uh, at the beginning of the, of the pandemic, there was a, a um, yeah, law or, or a regulation that said that we couldn't sell more than one bottle. So we had to reshape the platform so that you as, a, as, as the end user couldn't add more than one bottle. I mean, of course, many troubles, but, uh, but the, the category managed to grow. It was, it was incredible. Have you also seen any exciting developments using WhatsApp or other social communications platforms in e-commerce? Has that been a, an opportunity? Yes, I would say for people that are older than, I don't know, 50 years old or something like that, they tend to work with WhatsApp. They tend to uh, communicate through WhatsApp with their families. So buying through WhatsApp was definitely uh, uh, one of the things that we, we didn't expect to happen, you know, because when you think about e-commerce, you think about the platform where you log in, when, where you put your, your address or whatever. Um, but now through WhatsApp, there are a lot of sales happening there. And, and of course, we had to, to uh, actually start working through WhatsApp as well. Okay, cool. Um, looks like we might get the vice minister here in the next five minutes. So let's, let's hang on. Hopefully that happens. Um, uh, what else do you think is important, Juan, for people who may not be in Colombia, who may be thinking about, uh, you know, maybe this is a good time to look at launching a new business related to the e-commerce, whether it's B2B or B2C. Uh, how would you view that for, for those on the outside? I would say the opportunity right now is, is huge. And everyone is so afraid of Amazon. And of course, it, it is a big competitor, even though, we're, even though they're not a big player in Colombia, we see them as a competitor. But I like to think that the, the biggest competitor is the one we haven't seen yet. That startup that is that still is in the garage, that still is in, in, in a PowerPoint presentation, that's probably the, the the one that we should be afraid of, because when you know who the big one is, then you know what they can do and what they cannot do. But when you have a competitor that is hiding, uh, that's where the where the challenges uh, start. So I would I would encourage everyone, everyone I know. This is hard in a, in. in in my experience, uh, I mean, this is so hard to be an entrepreneur and, and during the pandemic, um, I was telling Kirk uh, before this call that uh, when everyone, when anyone asks you if the startup is going well, you have to answer, it depends on the day. Right. <laughs> so um, so I, will, I would encourage anyone to, to start a business. I, I think probably is the best, the best moment in history to start a, a digital business. I'm not sure if, if it's e-commerce, but whatever that you can imagine that could uh, interact with, with technology that uses technology as a base, uh, I would definitely encourage anyone to do that. You're, you're right. And, and it's such a good point because, you know, it's, it's not easy to have a lot of courage right now. You're just kind of, most people are just trying to survive. Yes. But, but if, if you can see through the disruption and, and there's, you're absolutely right. There's so many observations that this whole experience is producing. Uh, and I think for an entrepreneurial mind, uh, this kind of disruption exposes, you know, areas that might not be addressed uh, in the whole chain, especially, you know, that this consumer, the tastes of the consumer, the preferences, uh, I'm sure there's unique things happening in Colombia that may not happen elsewhere. Um, but you also said something interesting before about the uh, the increased funding and support for entrepreneurs, and particularly with the Y Combinator uh, group. Uh, what does that tell you? It tells me that there are 
interesting things happening in Colombia. When you take a look at the amount of companies that have been accepted to YC, and you can think of, of uh, I don't know, Ubits or Rappi or Trora or on top. I mean, there are. I think there's a there's a there's a nice list right now. So when you think about YC. I mean, being accept, uh, accepted to YC is harder than being accepted to uh, Stanford. <laughs> and yeah. we have big players or cool players in Colombia that, that are being accepted in, in, into YC. So I believe that's, that's, a cool, that's a cool message for investors, not only in Colombia, but in, in, in the region and in the world. There are cool things happening here. And uh, once again, I encourage not only entrepreneurs to, to believe that what, we, what they can do, but also in investors to, to come here and take a look at what we're doing because there are many companies that have the potential to change or to reshape industries if just by one or two percent then you have a, a, an amazing business and they are being built here in Colombia so I would encourage anyone who has the, the, the potential or anyone who has the the the, um, the vision or the I don't know how, how else to, to say that but to come here to Colombia and, and take a look at what we're doing because you may you may surprise yourself. And for you, Juan, personally, or maybe in your observations, do you believe that there's regional opportunity? Can Colombia become more of a hub for the Andean region? Where do you think Colombia stacks up from its e-commerce performance compared to some of its neighbors? Well, we, ha we have pretty strong competitors. Uh, if you think about Brazil or Mexico, they are very, very big competitors and they already have very strong um, startup ecosystems developed. So I, I believe the challenge for, for Colombia or for the countries just to step up to that challenge, to that, to that level, because those countries are already creating very nice stuff and, and, and you will find very cool uh, companies that are being born in Mexico and, and, and Brazil. And of course, Argentina as well has a very uh, interesting track record of, of, of launching or having cool uh, uh, companies. But I believe, once again, Colombia is on the right track to, to, to do so. And, and what we have to do right now is to believe that we, we can manage to be there and to become, a, a, let's say, a relevant player, uh, and, and not only in the region, I would say in the world, because you know, with, with software uh, companies, you can be relevant in Norway or in Argentina or whatever, if your product is good enough to, to compete. Right. So yeah, I, I hope that we can manage to, to get there. Right. A lot of people say about Brazil that it's such a huge internal market. You know, there's such demand and such opportunity that that country is particularly, uh, you know, kind of insular, inward facing. Uh, and I've seen that firsthand. I, I, I think there, there are definitely plenty of companies that have globalized products and, and services and nearshore players. But in general, that's definitely a theme with, uh, with Brazil. How do you mm -hmm. think Colombia might be different? Do you think there's greater awareness that, you know, uh, globalizing your, your products and services, you know, you have a, a greater opportunity for growth? That's a tough question. I wouldn't know how to answer that because my, my CTO is, is, is Brazilian. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. So then, then it, I don't know, it's, it's kind of funny, but I believe Colombia has such an, uh, an, an impact of what happens in the US, but also what happens in Europe, because we're every, every day we're aware of what happens in both of those regions in the world. So Colombia has like this way of, of uh, I don't know, it's, it's like a different perspective because we, we're looking at two big uh, uh, economic uh, environments, diff totally different, the, the, the European environment from the, from the US environment. So I believe we have a strategic uh, geographic location that everyone knows that. And if we manage to, to uh, let's say, explode that geographic position in terms of, the, of, of being able to work with Europe and being able to work with the US and becoming a hub for the whole uh, Latin American uh, region, then of course we, we have a lot of opportunities, but that probably can, I don't know, Peru would uh, say that as well, or mm -hmm. I don't know, any country in, in, in Central America. But um, I think that the challenge is, is actually to get things done, you know, because we, we tend to dream a lot and, and then uh, many of those companies just stay as a dream and, and they do not 
I don't know, they don't even challenge the market to, 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 be, to become a reality. Um, I, I'm not sure if that answers your question, Kurt. Sure, no, it's good. Well, I, I think uh, we're going to pretty much wrap up in a few minutes, Juan. If anybody else has any other questions, I invite you to, uh, to send them in. We're going to, um, you know, not go the whole 90 minutes uh, because of some of the scheduling challenges with the other speakers. But, um, but along these lines, as we come out of this, Juan, what are some areas of hope that you see in the, you know, e-commerce sector? How does this, how do we begin to pivot when we begin to see a vaccine, when, you know, when there's kind of more enthusiasm? And, and you know, the thing we haven't talked a lot much about is the economic, there's been a lot of economic pain. I, I've heard about quite a bit of it in Colombia. And that that's not an easy thing to recover. But what what hope do you have as you as you see the next couple of months evolve? I hope that the that the companies that already understood that the that technology and e-commerce uh, is not is no longer a nice to have but a must that they keep working on this that they keep working on 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 their technological challenges not only. Uh, working on how to connect to whatever platform e-commerce platform i have but also how can i purchase from my purchase from my suppliers through a b2b e-commerce e-commerce because it's more efficient so what i hope is that the the whole uh, economy of the country starts thinking in a more technological way rather than just a, a paper way you know like uh, how can we do this faster how can we do this cheaper how can we actually evolve as a business not only uh, uh, on how we deal with the, the end consumer but internally if there's space for a bot then we should have a bot there if there's space for a software then we should have a nice software there I think there. I hope that this pandemic brings, like a, a change in the mindset of the of the, yeah, of the economy of the economy. Mm. Yeah, that's a great great point to end on, Juan. I appreciate that, and I appreciate all of our listeners joining us today. And thank you again, Juan. Good to meet you, and good luck with the business. Thank you, Kirk. Nice to meet you. Take care now. Bye bye.